0: Welcome again, everybody, to this week's episode, which is number eight of the podcast, where we try and take a slightly deeper look at coaching and how we can all do it better. For the people that are joining us maybe today for the first time, this podcast is about two main things. Firstly, I wanted to try and provide coaches with some actionable information and thoughts that might help their own context of whatever sport or age group they may be operating in. And, and secondly, and probably most importantly, is a, I wanted to do this as a fundraiser for Temple Street Children's Hospital. So we're nudging our way towards 5,000 euros. And for those people that haven't donated already, if you're finding quality in that content, I, I, I'd really appreciate it if you could find a link in the podcast description below or on my Twitter page at Mike Quirk and part with whatever couple of euros you could possibly spare because it's going to a very, very worthy cause. And obviously a big thank you to all those people who have donated to the fundraiser so far and and to all those people who continue to share it around on social media. Every time it gets shared, more people get to listen. The more people that listen, the more people that are inclined to donate to Temple Street. So it's it's certainly much appreciated by everybody. Okay, and that's enough of me. Um, this week's guest, I'm delighted to say, is Alan Ringland. He's a lecturer of sports psychology at the Munster Technological University, as well as being an accredited practitioner who has worked within professional and amateur sport for well over 20 years. For the past 14 of those years, he's been working as the team psychologist for Paralympics Ireland, working through a number of major sporting events with them. Here he talks us through his concerns for the impact of COVID and sports people missing out on the socialization aspect of, the, uh, of playing their games, his desire for coaches to seek out deliberate play as opposed to deliberate practice. And he breaks down different key factors for coaches working in participation sport as opposed to high performance or elite sport. There's some really great insights and actionable ideas on promoting connection and self-talk within your team and much more. I hope wherever you're listening that you enjoy the next hour or so. And if you do, be sure to share it around, leave a review and let me know what you think. Alan, thanks, thanks very much for your time again. And I, I like you, like we said there, you're you're flat out from uh, lecturing through a screen all day. So the last thing you probably wanted to hear of was uh, was another forty five or sixty minutes here doing the same thing. So thanks very much for your time. No problem at all. Yeah, it's
1: grand. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, it's been uh, literally just off for a group of third years. But sure, it's it's where we are and what we're doing. So we just literally have to get on and keep on going.
0: Yeah, crack on, find a way, and even and and you might just give people that are listening just a kind of a, a background of, of um, where where you were coming from or what you're working at as such. Sure. Um, okay.
1: So oh, way back in time, way back last century, uh, I I went uh, I went to study phys ed in Bangor, uh, North Wales, um, and after doing after getting a, a published paper at my undergraduate, I went to University of Ulster, did a PhD, um, was coaching three or four sports at the time, um, tennis, hockey, and uh, um, and Then moved probably, then I moved back into London to go and teach PE. Um, after that, got accredited as a sports psychologist in the UK before moving to Tralee in 1997. Well, January 1997. And uh, it was an interesting one where I see, um, I think myself, and, uh, which was Pat Flanagan and Val Andrews, had kids of the same age, and they all went down to care to rallies. And it was the three of us as parents on the sideline, um, having different coaching qualifications on various sports. and. Uh, Looking at each other going, This is, you know, this, this is mad, you know, so hundreds of kids, like hundreds of kids. Fantastic um, environment and for fanta- that. you know, at the end of it, they they got some goodies, you know, yeah. keep the nutritionists away, but they got <laughs> they got chocolate or they got fizzy drinks or they got titles or whatever. But sure, that's you know, 50% meant for that. And they and they kept on coming for that. And, you know, to be fair to them, that it worked. Yeah. And we thought it was great. But uh, we, we sort of, we looked at the coaching you know, and we thought, you know, we probably could do a bit, of, you know, whatever. But um, at that time, I think Cairns Rallies had uh, a sports coaching or development officer. Um, and they sort of, you know, they they ran it. They ran it really well. And then we sort of drifted off. I moved up to the Art So my coaching <laughs> moved to that with yeah. us. Um, I suppose and then the end, I... Uh, in terms of sports psychology, uh, the Irish sort of system was pretty slow in developing in comparison across the, the water and the Olympic Association. So, I was sort of part of that when we evolved to get a with the National Coaching and Training Centre and now the Irish Institute of Sport um, a panel of um, facilitators who could really help in every sports science and, and discipline. So medicine, physiotherapy, biomechanics, psychology, physiology, nutrition, uh, etc. So I was started that and then um, got involved with um, Val and Pat again in the, in the uh, in Sigerson, which was great fun. Uh, interesting to see where I had been in Liverpool, where I worked with Warrington Rugby League at a professional club on a contracted basis to where Sort of amateur status was in the GAA, and thought, right, there wasn't a lot of difference, right, in terms of you know status. The fact that the, the rugby league got paid, mm. and these were students, as such you know, in all fair, you know, fair. Now probably had a you know, as you know, probably had a good balance mm. uh, of <laughs> lifestyle activity yeah. as well as f- football and a little bit of work. um so I've still been there. So I'm, I'm lecturing in sports psychology and physical education in the uh, now the Monster Technological University, but um, uh, Institute of Technology in Tralee. So that's where my email is still, but only for a few months. But uh, yeah, so I've been to God knows how many World or European Championships with Paralympics, and with I went to Beijing with them um, as team psychologist, and um, with London with them, um, and you know, still still do a little bit of underage coaching um, at individual level on different sports. Um, and some with uh, you know, both male and female. So with, with Kerry Camogie a few years ago, actually. That was a, 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 another great experience because Kerry Camogie is basically only one or two clubs. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. So, you know, and that's that's like, wow, that, that there's not a huge amount of differentiation between lots of clubs picking, selecting. It's like, there's your pool of players. Um, so I just went in and did a bit of psychology with them, and they were great and really good
0: to work with, and really you know uh, enjoyed that. So that's good. Yeah. possibly yeah. where I am. Brilliant, yeah. And like like I was saying before we started, there, I suppose, Like I, I've I've had um, your number, your number eight on the auspicious list, but we've looked at like the game and and different kind of elements of of the. You know the real coaching side of it, and, and some of the priorities for for coaches in that side. And we had Joe on Joe Connor last week speaking about the kind of physical side of it. So I'm just delighted to have you on to kind of maybe look at that area of the, you know, the mental side of the game or that 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 psychological aspect of it. You know, and and through COVID, like we're like we're mentioning, like what, like from that point of view, Ellen, like what are, what are the big worries that you would have, or would you have any worries with, with regard to sports people? now, the fact that you know, a lot of people, I suppose, their identity is so wrapped up in the sports that they play. And for a lot of people, obviously not the elite, you know, elite section of the sporting world in Ireland, but the rest of us, I suppose, you know, that's been taken away by, by the pandemic right now. Is there, is there things that that you worry about, you know, on the other side of this thing for sports people?
1: Oh, definitely. The, like the COVID has really done a number of things, really. One is the, the, the socialisation, you know, mm-hmm. the going out with your mates, Whatever you're doing, you know, whether you're going to play golf, whether you're going to play a team sport, whether you're going to meet up in a, you know, go and play, you know, handball or whatever, um, or soccer, you know, whatever. But all of that camaraderie is all stopped because if you know we can't meet, you can't, you know. So I know a few clubs have got together in like these sort of Zoom type stuff, and Mm -hmm. they they organise themselves and they have a little bit of social chat, a bit of banter. and whatever and, and that's great because the idea is a bit of the cohesion so that social element would worry me a lot because you're coming back in people are probably doing their own little bit of physical stuff anyway so that's yeah. that's I, I probably wouldn't have a huge to worry about that um but i suppose just coming in and saying well where am i where are they and uh, having a level about it i suppose in terms of their their emotional level would be a different different totally different factor i'd say because they're coming in thinking what am I like? Even if not vaccined, vaccined. Mm. Who who do I know if I'm gonna play a contact sport or, or whatever? What or even a non-contact sport? Um, you know, how close do they have to be? You know, and so there's a lot of you know, just I'd say emotional issues that go on that people are, are wary of, um, even in between that sort of break where we were sort of level, level two, level three. I yeah. can't remember which one were, were, people were relatively active. There was a, there was a man rush to, you know, to get on the golf course, to get onto a tennis court, to get onto a pitch, you know. and it was like, go on, you know, it's like the season's open all together, and it's, uh, it, 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 you know, and then everybody being off work, it was like, God, wow, it's uh, getting, it's even getting competitive amongst yeah. people who would be normally quite sociable. Yeah. Um, so, even that fact, while we well, probably laugh about it because we know even from the golf end, they're saying, "Well, how, I can't even get all the types." But you know, yeah, suddenly thinking, "This is madness!" Like uh, you know, but, but but in one sense, it's it's great. It actually to me, it sort of showed that there's so much you know need to get out there and participate, just for the fun. Um, that that became competitive, in possibly in the wrong way, but. In that sense uh, you know those are the rules and sort of things that we get together so yeah i suppose on that end the elite end to some extent they still have a lot of, of issues and problems because going to like european athletics was on at the weekend um yes i know all of those have been vaccinated yes they're all getting covert testing on a regular basis but it's still a still out there mm. um, we don't know where and so that, that's always going to be in the back of, of somebody's head. So it's sort of, if you're lining up on your 60-meter sprint, and you think, yeah. I, I'm not too sure, but it's, you know,
0: you're, you know, in terms of Poland, where it was, I don't know what they Yeah, uh, sure, who, who we'll knows see. at the end of it? Mal- Malik Lee Kirkland had, a, had an interesting article, I don't know, was it yesterday or one of the days in uh, in the paper, about about just about that youth sport, about how... The evidence wasn't there to support keeping kids out of of pitches and out of whatever, but that whole idea of, of, you know, the the increased community traffic, I suppose, and parents dropping into fields and standing around watching, but... and I suppose oh, yeah. I want I want to just look at maybe this so I'm, I'm, I'm conscious here Alan, that that I've had, I've had coaches contact me that are under sixes or eights and tens coaches and then uh, people at the other end of the spectrum who are involved at, at you know the highest level that they can go so uh, I'd like to just kind of look at this maybe in two different ways in terms of participation sport and then and in the performance element element of it and and maybe look at different things that that you think you know from from that psych, sports, sports psychology element that Would be important for coaches of those kind of age groups, really, you know. Um,
1: yeah, yeah sure, yeah. And um, you know, it's, 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 I suppose so. How, how, how do our coaches in all sports help kids keep on going and keep on playing? And uh, really, it's what they do and how they do it is quite, it's quite a you know, it's probably one of the most significant factors in that because that environment, um, because even if you're under four, five, six, seven, eight, whatever it is, whatever sport, whatever it's still a performance environment, you know, so all of the, the fact that psychological factors in it are, are things like, you know, like how does your family view this? You know, like, and you know, never mind the coach, how does the coach look at that? How supportive are they? How accessible is it for them to, you know, go and watch and support? Um, and, and the big thing would be, I think just you know, having, having four kids myself and just like you said, if you have kids as well, you know, is that children's sport is not professional sport. We, and we shouldn't think it is. We may want them to get there somewhere, you know, 10, 20 years on or whatever the age group, but it's not the same. And and we tend to mirror that. And that, that that's a worrying factor because at a certain age, we're going to lose them. Um, and at an under eight level, I suppose the research would suggest that that, coaches should really instruct um, because they, they need to be led. They're used to that in, in their environment in schooling. Um, so the teacher leads them on. the coach takes them somewhere and he or she will have that, that I suppose, that knowledge as such, um, but also where they're going to and where they want to go. When they get that little bit of, let's say, not quite adolescence, between the age of about 10, 14, Now, a lot of people literature is based on girls, but in fact, the peer influence is the biggest influence as opposed to the coach. Mm. So if they want to stay, it's what their mate thinks as opposed to what the coach thinks. So the coach might be very positive, have a great attitude, really encouraging, but that doesn't have a huge factor. If their mate thinks, Jesus, you know. So within that whole group, that's how they're going to stay at it. Um, and that happens with girls um, for a number of reasons. But it, it's the way that we look at things. And if a coach has put in an under, an under eight that they want to win, 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 mm. as opposed to just play, um, then they're going to come out with another negativity and they're going to have an awful lot of overcompetitive instincts when they get to that, which we would call, which leave, we were calling the now mental health sort of age, for coaches, because there's a quite a distinctive group that between in around 13-14, if they've had there's two schools of thought. One is that if they've had very negative experiences when they're young, a lot of them actually make it to the elite top level. Mm. If they've had because it, it drives them on. But for the most people, if they've had a lot of negativity from their peers and their Significant others, that's family, coaches, um, and their mates, then bye bye, not staying here. It's not good. Don't like it. And that actually leads into greater things globally in terms of like, you know, anxiety and depression and mm. affective disorders. And there's, there's quite a lot of Australian literature on that. And they're, they're, they're putting a lot of factors in that in terms of their teenage groups where they really promote. Not sport; they they promote really promote community development for for fun. So right. it's not performance. It it's actually about effort. So they actually look at it: how well did you know? Did you really try harder? You know that that's yeah. wrong. We don't really care about the result. So mm. they actually reward and they assess by effort, yeah. which is, is a lovely thing to have. You know, because really. if you try hard, you may not be the winner, but you've given your all, and really that's. For all of us, that's all we'd want ever to expect. Yeah. Um, I think the other one is this: this argument of the per- performance over the person. So we should look after the person. If we can look after them, the performances will occur. Provided coaches and the other people around them, the supporting periphery, have put their bits in place. They may not always win everything. That that's just is not going to happen either. Um, but if we look after the person as opposed to winning and performance, we're more likely to get a, a much psychologically a much better mindset going into what you believe later sport, playing sport for their out there, what you would call crux age of of, of of teenage development. And even later on, as in lifelong, so they keep on going and transit in from maybe GAA, they'll go into golf or they're going to, you know, yeah. different type of sports. So so they can do something to their, you know get to yeah. my old age and so forth. So,
0: yeah.
1: yeah, that's that's the, that's the goal though, isn't it? It is, yeah, like lifelong activity and, and just keep on participating. It's, it's you know, And they can take different roles with that. That always finds me with coaching is that coaching tends to be very technically mm-hmm. developed and still is, as opposed to, say, going into somewhere like, like the models in PE, for example, were a thing called sport education, which has come up a lot in... Uh, Australian literature where basically they would say, right, you six. You just group them in sixes. They decide on what colour they're going to turn up for training, and they have a little team name. They, they make those decisions that they're all, they're all, you know, they could be the Tigers, or they could <laughs> they could be the Lions, the Leopards, or whatever. Yeah. So, and then they pick their own colour, provided it's not the same as somebody else's. And then they have a role, so it might be in our team of six that I take the warm-up and the, maybe a warm-down that somebody else takes them um, you know does a little bit of coaching but somebody else does a little bit of the the reffing, you know because normally what we happen in, in, in bigger mass participation games is we have lots of kids lots a couple of coaches and a few really willing you know eager parents and they go like, oh go and ref that game oh go and ref that game and and then they'll get all they do is get abuse <laughs> you know and um but we but we 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 end, we, we actually ended up to them we, we give them the, the chance to get abuse as opposed to saying, well, you ref your own games. Do your own stuff. You see what it's like. You'll see what happens and, and they and they work it out. Kids are great at solving problems. They're quite good at giving abuse. Yeah. <laughs> but you know they'll 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 solve it themselves as opposed to saying, no no stop that. So nearly taking a step back to allow their responsibility and independence to go is much better for the self-esteem as well. And I suppose that whole mutual respect starts to come out, you know, and so they won't be saying, oh, God, uh, you missed that one again, or such and such. Later on, it'll be, oh, sure, missed one, no problem, next one, let's go on So it's trying to develop that, and that,
0: that you know, that that is challenging. There's there was there's so much there now. I'll, I, I was trying to write notes to keep up with you to go back and ask you stuff, and I've lost half it. But that's okay. I'll listen back when when I put it out. Uh, there's a, a couple of things there now that I I want to just drill down a little bit on. The, you you mentioned there on the under eights or lower the the need for instruction. Um, so I, I I'm I'm a big proponent of the of the games based approach to 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 coaching. Obviously, as we get a little bit older and 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 kids are are. Um, uh, they have those 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 tools, I suppose, that they're able to cope with the the different things and figure stuff out for themselves a little bit more. And, and the idea of instruction for the under is is an important distinction to make that they they rely on the coach that a little bit more for, you know, for that direction, I suppose. Yeah. Um, but I, in terms of the the games based approach, Alan, from a, from a. From a psychological aspect in terms of youth sport, how how does that affect kids when they're playing, when they're playing or when they're training or playing any sport? Probably it's, it's probably the best
1: way to start anyway. So and that's sort of like games based or teaching games for understanding type of approach is by starting with a game, it, it nearly allows them to say, all right, this is what we're here for. This is what we want to do. So they're immediately engaged. Um, because if they if they do the old the old I have to I will say it's an old approach, to, let's do a warm-up, let's do a few skills, let's get them, you know, getting an, unfortunately into a queuing system, which is a nightmare. Um, and then let's modify those skills and then we'll play you know, a bit of a game at the end and we'll see and, and that that kills, you know, start with the game and, and you learn how to appreciate it then. The knowledge of the coach, or you know, he was with them, will be able to say, well, maybe it's our passing, or maybe it's our such and such, or may-. so. Now I can go and look at that. So you, you would bring them out, put them in smaller sides, and say, right, let's have a game. We'll play four on two, and I want to see how many passes you can get. That you, can, you know, if it's if it's football or hurling, that mm. that that's clean. You know, it's caught and it's accurate, and you're moving to collect it and then swap over, and then go back into the game. So continually going back into that context is the most important thing, but taking them out to develop, to work on a technique where they make decisions and when they appreciate what they're doing, but it's still in a game base. Mm. is so much more fulfilling for, for kids because they're continually playing. They're, they're, they're nearly like, what you say, if, if you, and God forbid, because it's PE, but PE, when they have their warm-up and such and such and, and cool down there, they actually only participate in 17% of that lesson. Now, if you have a games-based approach, you're way up into the 80s, 90s. You're only stopping for a quick bit of instruction and a transition over into something else, and you're off again. And, and you're suddenly thinking, well, why aren't we doing that all the time? Mm. You know, but for physical activity? You know for our health and and for the enjoyment because it it's if, if you asked anybody if you asked any PE teacher of any description what is the most frequent question will be when are we planning game? yeah yeah you know, that's all they get when we're planning game. yeah we'll do this first and, then, and yeah. then so so why not start with the game I know. <laughs> oh god yeah I he's not even having difficulty with this yeah okay so they, they develop that appreciation and, and they can make decisions about it and then they can go back into the game and and then that the transition is easy and they realize that and it's all i suppose it's all specific because when they do become adults at least all of that stuff is not taking it's not an isolation because mm-hmm. we teach skills in isolation but again, there's lots of things going around. There's movement, there's calling, there's filing, there's whatever. Yeah. You know? um, but that and that's what we play in. We don't play in two lines saying, yeah, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna practice the 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 punt pass. We kick it to somebody who's in a line in front of them and we run right to the end of the queue. Because you say, Why are you running there? Or, Why are you going on a straight line? Do you ever play football on a straight line? Mm. You know, so it sort of, it gets them the idea of saying, well, listen, you know, where's the space? Where's the angles? He wants the ball in front yeah. of him. Okay, right. Okay. You know, the fella behind him taller. Jesus, they'll put the ball lower to him. So all of those are decisions that they'll learn and make in a context that's, that's, that's not only a, a good positive learning environment, but it's actually, will take it further. So they become learn performers, mm. um, as opposed to just people with can do a few drills.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, and, and, and like, I, I, I look at the, you know, the motivation side of that obviously as well. And, and like you, you mentioned, you mentioned the, the, you know, the, the groups of six and go in and pick your own bibs and pick your team name and pick your own roles that the way you're, you're actually giving them choice and you're giving them opportunities to work independently and how that services, you know, their, their need for autonomy, I suppose, and, and, and how that impacts on, on their development of intrinsic motivation. And, and like, that's, I suppose that's what we're looking for in, in, in any game, that people are intrinsically motivated from themselves to to go and play and to perform. Whether it's a round of golf when you're sixty, or it's a you know it's a game of football when you're twenty-five. Whether that's that's what every coach is looking for, really, isn't it?
1: No, totally. Yeah, and it's, it's really it really is about trying to get them to, to I suppose not to be not, definitely be more independent, um, but certainly um, that whole literature on what's called sport enjoyment and all, all of the sources off that, it's, it's all about, you know, you know, let them have some decision-making, let them have some choice, as you said. Uh, it's, it's like sometimes when, you know, I, I see, she said, sometimes I'd be passing pitches sometimes, you know, years ago, you said, I said, they have them all lined up and they're still picking teams. You think, oh, God, <laughs> you no. Know, the, the, the poor person who's going to be in the last couple, Like how, how do they feel? You know, why does it just flow right? We need four teams here. Give us four colours cones. There's eight in the team, right? To me, six reds, six greens, three, six blues, and six whites. Throw them around, and say, Right, that's first one to pick up a call and get back to me, wins, right? And they run out, and they fire, I get a cone and come back. They don't even care what color it is, but you're white, you're red, you're blue, you're like, that's a team, let's go. And they go, Now you can only do that every so often, yeah? They figure out was... again, it's one of those random things, you say, "Hey, no, just do it. But there again, what, what you've got is you haven't got this. Well, here's the hierarchy. Because the people at that lower end, they're, they're not going to stay long. No. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a sad sort of thing in terms of that. And, and kids, to be fair, they actually want to learn new skills. That would be one of the big things in, the, in, in, in terms of why do you do sports? Hmm. So they actually want to learn new skills. They want to get better because that, that they feel better about themselves. But if we put them into a nearly that mastery oriented drill like idea, we're, we're not going to get that mm. because nobody's perfect. And I suppose sometimes the more we try for perfect, the less we get it. Mm. Um, and sometimes best to say, well, it's nice to get really good. And maybe that's our level. Mm. Uh, and that, and, uh, yeah, it's nothing wrong with that. I just, I, I just feel in terms of coaching behaviors, we tend to look more on that as opposed to, well, she's really trying hard. You know, in three or four years' time, I want her on my team. Yeah. You know, because she's going to work hard. She's going to chase back. She's going to do such and such. Gonna, so, you sort of think, yeah, and yeah, you know, when you see your, excuse me, I always call them, Ronaldos. <laughs> Those people who are incredibly skilled, at, you know, whatever. Well, they've been phenomenally skilled, but you sort of think, well, how are they going to fit in? You know, we need to realise that they are they have extraordinary skill, but somebody needs to tell us that because they they get a different mindset or a different sort of rules that I get. I have to be here at a certain time. Ronaldo doesn't. I have to be such and such. Ronaldo doesn't. And, and that happens in a lot of our teams, you know, and, and you suddenly sort of think, well, did our coach not say that uh, we're not uh, if we don't turn off for training, we can't get picked? This happens with that sort of you know mm-hmm. teenage years. And then Ronaldo hasn't been to Trilly, but Ronaldo turns up. Now, everybody knows Ronaldo's the best, but he's picked. But coach, mm. you just told us. I'm not going to argue with it. Yeah. And you suddenly got this facade going on to say, well, rather than the coach said, Ronaldo's not here today, but he, he probably is one of our better players. I think, what do you think? Do you think we, we would do better with him or without him and we'll just float out there? You know, and say we're all different. You know, we all have different things to bring and, and you know, put into the, the team. So selection will depend not just on such and such, but if you make people aware, they're more liable to accept. Mm-hmm. If you say you can't do it and you let it go, it's like they won't be back. Yeah. Those ones that are on the, on the sort of, on the, on the football or hurling side, I don't, and sitting in around 19, 20, 21 on the selection, it's like, nah. yeah, I do something that somebody wants me. Um, and I suppose, like, you're being from the elite end in terms of basketball and football, you, you, you probably see, you've probably seen an awful lot of that happen. I think we've got much better at it. Yeah. Um, I think it would be much, you know, in terms of our education, coach education, we've got much better at that. But um, you sort of, you do s- still see it going on. it's like, I would, I would sort of question that sort of stuff. Mm. Um, and I would question a lot of the coaching, what I would call, deliberate practice like Eriksen and um, Cote's all stuff really theorized incredibly but I would nearly say well, we should be doing deliberate play let them play mm-hmm. as opposed to practice the, the practicing yes I know that will implement some states and yeah. fit in the jigsaw somewhere but have a deliberate play that we can get something from it so look a little bit more let's get them the team that wins today is not the man who scores but the team that you know tell each other they're doing well or communicates the most or, do, you know, something that's totally different yeah. and, and just change those, you know, just each week and say, you win this week and you win the first game because I heard you 12 comments you made amongst you. You only got nine. So mm-hmm. you need to talk a bit more. You need to you know, help each other. And uh, you sort of think, oh, it's, it's a nice. It's, a, uh, it's yeah. different. Yeah. But it's, uh, you know, for a team
0: base, it's, it's a really good way to do it. Yeah, yeah that's that's yeah. I, 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 I I yeah, like that, and I I I think that idea of rewarding effort is is a really no. That's that's a powerful thing at any level, obviously, but especially at underage. You know, if we're if we're if we're spotting the guy that makes the run, that that you know, in any sport, that maybe he doesn't get the score, maybe he doesn't have the assist, but he did something that that contributed positively to the team, and and we we're able to pick that out and and say, geez, that was a that was a really important thing that you did there. When you chased that guy, you didn't get a hand on him, but you put him under pressure just by chasing, even though he wasn't your man. And how suddenly that, that, that spreads, doesn't it? It does, yeah, because you know, they have got a
1: good feeling and they're going to let that go out. And then other people hear that and they say of think, oh, yeah, so it's not, it's not about scoring. It's actually about work rate. Mm-hmm. It's about effort. It's about helping each other. And, and those are the things that we that as coaches in all sports, we tend to shy away from because they're quite hard to measure. and mm-hmm. actually quite hard to organise and plan. But sometimes when you go out for a plan, you sort of think, and that's sometimes the way we've been brought up, as opposed to saying, okay, so I might go out and coach a bit of tennis, and I might say, right, I've got eight kids here, right? we're playing one-on-one on half a court, there's a few balls, off you go. And you see, you know, the better ones winning and such and such. You say, okay, so you will do the same, but I want you to play, and you have to play like, and, and I might have eight players, so i am pick one up to, you have to play like Djokovic, you have to go and play like Federer. You have to, you know, go, oh, I don't want it. I said, I don't care. I said you have to be able to swap around a minute, and we'll do whatever. And they go, and they actually sort of immediately they play and they model, and they, and they even have the same behaviours. And I did fourteen bites of the ball, and they, up, <laughs> and they go, what's the time? You know, the guy's going, hey, have you got fifteen seconds on him? You know, this, you know, they go, they have a bit, they have a bit of fun, and and you say, sort of think, well, you know we got more out of that because I know that they actually watch tennis or they do, you know, and you think, yeah. Oh. You know, and I said, I noticed you bounce the ball. So you say, yeah, John, which always does that. Yeah, yeah. And the Dalai does it. Well, sure. And they have the behaviours and you're thinking, no, you think, wow. Yeah, and then you can do tactical stuff Oh, you can only win a point if you serve a volley. Now, you're getting into a bit more deliberate practice there, but it's sort of thinking, you know, just vary it up. That's yeah. another, I suppose, in terms of coaching with young kids, keep it, keep a big ratty. Mm. You know, nearly in the back pocket, you suddenly think, this coaching session's a bit stale, even though you planned it well and you think it's just sometimes it's just, oh, you know, I wish I had some fireworks or something. And it's yeah. just, I just have some some chance to do something different. Even go out of the game and do something totally different. Uh, have, have you know, fun t- team like sort of like cooperative type games and try that. Um, But um, yeah, to keep, keep kids in, it, it is about not only about new skills and keep them involved socially, but it's it's really you know, like I'd say like the the effort is a big thing. I think you have to reward mm-hmm. that. Um, like, you know, That's why I think Ken's rallies did a great job because they always gave everybody got something. Yeah. You know, and there could be kids that that only went down and and they stood there and they just shouted to their mates. You no, know, they had no interest in men football at all. But you know, and they, they would you know say oh, okay, so going in, but they were sort of like. What's the time? You know, it's nearly twelve o'clock.
0: <laughs> it's <Yeah>. like <laughs> so it's not, but,
1: but they stayed out, you know, and you never know, a few years' time, they, they could say, Hey, we and and that we never we need to think about late developers, we we need to think about lifelong participation, but we also might think about you know self-image, self-confidence,
0: self-esteem, especially amongst that peer group. Yeah, and Funny, I had, a, I had Russ Bradburn on there on the, the first week. He, he coached basketball in Chile He used to work over in uh, Texas El Paso as a basketball coach in different places. But he, did, he had a great line. He said, um, we as coaches, we don't remember everything we say to kids, but the kids sure as hell remember everything we say to them. And and he he, he was talking about it from, from a point of view. He wasn't a very good basketballer. And and uh, one of the coaches Mentioned, he pointed down to another kid who was practicing below on a different team, and and this kid that he pointed at was a brilliant dribbler, a brilliant ball handler, and he said, "You know what? Like, cause you you're not an athlete and you can't really shoot, but you could be a very good, you know, ball handler if you worked at it." And he went away and he dedicated him just out of that one comment, and he said it was like the the one or you know maybe the two things he'd said to him all year. And he went and dedicated himself to that, and, and turned himself into an incredible ball handler, and has worked with NBA players on their ball handling and all that stuff. Out of out of that one comment that a coach made to him, and um, it's just it, it's very impactful, I suppose. The coach's position at that age group, like you mentioned, the peer groups and and how he affects those. But you know, it, like comments or or whatever, can be really really important and impactful in a in a long way. Can't they? Oh, absolutely. The language that we use. Um to them is really
1: important and how we actually say things and then, then how they interpret or perceive what they've said to them, you know, like, so that's great, fantastic. Works only so much, you know, it's sort of say like, it's only like, give them a little bit more than that. Mm. You know, tell them why they did something, you know, like like you said, the person that you chased back, you know, and, and you made it awkward for them to get the shot in or such and such, you know, that was really good work, fantastic, well done. And they realised, okay, so... That's what he likes and she likes. He wants me to chase back and do such and such. So, giving them that informative information is really good. It encourages them, it encourages more people to play. Um, it, I suppose, like the, the other big thing for me in terms of the, the language is, is sometimes on the. It's interesting, I, I used to work with uh, Irish basketball referees years and years and years ago when they were in, they got really, they got a bad stick. Um, from the players, as where we probably coming down to Tralee But uh, <laughs> uh, they got an awful, they got an awful lot of stake on, especially off the coaches. And I, I suppose at one stage the American coaches changed their image. They went from tracksuits to suits mm. and ties. Mm. As suits and ties went here. I'm a professional, and they didn't jump and down screaming and shouting. They went back to a whiteboard, or they changed their tactics. So, the same way as managers in Premier League, they come out with the same script. So their language is different. They don't come and say, "Ah, oh, Jesus, oh, yeah. They come out and say, well, we did such and such really well. Yes, we, we didn't play that well. We made a few errors. We'll work at that. So there's always some form of a, a rebuttal that's quite positive. Now, that's quite, that's well managed um, psychologically. Um, and it's a really, it's, it's it's trying to keep away from... Like, we take it the other side is that if, if somebody says to somebody on the pitch and they're, you know, a 13 or 14-year-old playing, oh, that was your fault, then ah oh, what have you just done there? So that that's a huge, devastating comment as opposed to saying, maybe if you worked a bit harder and doing such and such, think about getting closer to him. What about doing such and such? A, I think he's better on his left. What do you think? let just keep on such and such a side or... As, and, and I know people emotionally on the sidelines get, get, get carried away. Because um, as having raft underage games, I've, I've sent parents out of the pitch. <laughs> <laughs> Only because, they, you know, they were abusing their own. Never mind everybody else's. <laughs> <as you suddenly, laughs> it's like, so this is madness, you know. And, uh, um, and we would, you know, you can even laugh about it after. Just, oh, sorry, sorry. I said, I know you're going to emotionally charge that. Uh, and I said, yeah, I probably made it worse for my decisions, but in that sense I'm only trying to do a job here and such and such and that. Uh, I think sometimes when they made aware of their actions, you uh, know, um, but it's a it's an interesting factor with, with coaching, as you said, their language or the comments. And, and it's really about if you provide them with success as opposed to winning comments, th- they're, they're, they're going to take something from that. They're going to hold on to it. And cognitively, I suppose, it's good self-talk because winning has an outcome. You either win or you lose. Success is okay. I'm doing that really well. Okay, so I can hold on to that. So my self-talk will be relatively positive or motivational. So therefore, I can actually, you know, do something better or harder or, or set myself some direction. Um, and that's, I suppose, that those coaching behaviors. That's where I think we've probably moved in the last decade towards that psychosocial end, as opposed to hopefully technical or, t- or tactical end. Um, it's it sort of, it's one of those things that, you know, how much planning the coaches do in their sessions? And they may have streams of lesson plans or they have such and such, but you sort of think, well, at the end, sounds terrible, or Roy Keane at the end of the day. It, 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 at, at, the, at the end of your session, what is it you want? And most of them will say, we want them to have some fun. Mm-hmm. Well, then where's the fun activities in, in this or this? Or, how are you going to make that fun? And when you even pose that question, they go, wait, well, I could do such and such. You could yeah, try that out. And it's nearly a way of thinking and get, cause they actually plan quite, but they're, they're planned. They structure their plan mm. and then they try to keep to it. When things are a little bit more rather than say, okay, that's, I've got that i want to do that how can i make that a bit more enjoyable how, what bit of crack can i get out of it as well as them you know because that is it. it's a nice reciprocal arrangement for the coaches actually having fun mm. as well as uh, the people that are taking yeah. and, and they respond to that sort of like reciprocal arrangement because it, it is it's a nice relationship to have um and it should be really encouraged um and sort of it doesn't have to be them and us especially in underage definitely it should be us. Yeah. Um, I, I would say that at all levels, but it's sort of it does again, you've got that mutual respect coming in. Um, and you've got a I suppose in one sense, a lot of parents will ask their kids when they come home or on the way home on the car, how was your coaching or how was the set? That was all right, that's fine, that's you grand, grand, the kind of grand. And some of them will say, Oh, such and such, such, such. And then you know, you're bringing in another significant other here. So if you've made it fun and, and they get in the car and that, that's quite lively, and the, and the parent says, oh, I was your session? I was great crack. Jesus, your man did such and such. God, the coach is a nutcase. He's a real, you know, whatever. She's doing such and such. The parent will say, oh, at least I have a bit of fun. Yeah. Mm. And, you know, that, that's what, you know, if that, if that, that is the end game. It is something that professional sport has lost, mm. but can never, can really, can't have... You can't have fun but we can't have bags of laughter you yeah know? and uh, yeah. the whole session should be like that there but no it's a, yeah it's a
0: good way self-talk there is an interesting one so if, if, if I'm a, if I'm an under 14 coach or under 16 coach you know in basketball or football or rugby or whatever how, what is what is self-talk I, I just maybe for for people so that they understand how, how that could be used for a 14 or 16 year old kid what, what would that mean to them so the narrative that we, we say to
1: ourselves will always go on. It's a dialogue that we have, um, it'll, it happens when, you know, as soon as you can communicate to the, the time when you're, you say goodbye to everybody, it, we're always going to have that. It's how we use that in, in a constructive way. And we're all different. So a lot of people will actually, you know, enjoy the positive talk that they say about themselves. You know, I'm playing really well, I, you know, I'm, you know, I'm doing this well, I'm doing such and such well, I'm going to have a good game today, I'm, you know, I'm going to, you know. And a 14 year old, there's, a, there's quite a lot of what we would call peaks and troughs, you know, in terms of mood states, in terms of, you know, um, endocrines and uh, chemical and biological things that are going on. And 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 all of that doesn't give themselves a great feeling of positivity or of self-image or identity meaning. So, It's really the self-talk should be geared towards them but it's normally influenced by those significant others so the coach or the parent or their peers. So it's a nice exercise sometimes so you had a group of, say, under 15s just sit around in a circle with a piece of paper put your name at the top of the paper fold, fold it over just pass it around to your left and then the person around you has to write a comment about whoever's name as they go around, but there's a boundary on that. The boundary is that the comment has to be a positive comment or a humorous comment, but there can be nothing negative on it. Uh, so say you're 12 sitting around, and so that means that you're going to get 11 comments back that are either funny or say things good about you. Mm. Now, if you can manage to swap it around rather than when they get it back, they go, one, two, so you think I'm such and such, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, you suddenly think, well, I'm not too sure who wrote that, but that's quite nice. That's a nice comment, and that then, you know, that aids and facilitates your self-talk because somebody said to, "Oh, he's a fantastic ball handler," mm. you know, <laughs> or he's really good at doing such and such, or, you know, I love the way he takes a Mickey out of such and such, you know, anything like that. it doesn't like it's it's funny, it doesn't make it, You know, it's part of the character. It's social and, you know, it's part of the team ethic as well, because teams are made up of all kinds of sorts, as, yeah. you, as you well know. So, and, and that's, that's, that's what makes it. That, that's probably why you know, why they, they gel or go well together um, as opposed to being all of the same. So the self-talk should be it literally, you get them from positive, probably could do with a little bit of what we would call motivational self-talk and less technical. Because the more you think technically, then the more the, you, you know, if you're not doing it right, then that comment will continually stay at you. So if it's motivational, like, okay, I'm mm-hmm. gonna do this, I'm gonna try and do such and such, you know, I'm gonna get six out of 10 here, really, you know. So it might be that in 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 rugby or in, in football, and you could look at the stats, maybe not at under 14 or 15, but later on, they can look back and say, oh, listen, I made, you know, I made fourteen, you know, successful tackles, or I missed one. Okay, right, so I need to. That that's a that's a nice stat. whatever. Yeah. So, so all of that adds up to that self talk to say, you know, I am playing well, I'm tackling well, I'm staying low on the ball, I'm doing such and such, whatever. So, um, it's 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 one of those ways that young kids, when coaches tell them what they're doing right, is that they need to enforce it a bit more, and they need to tell each other. Mm that they're doing right. And that's why it's nice for a group to say, uh, rather than stick people in performance situations have to stand out and they say, well, what did Alan do well today? Well, the rest of them, well, just don't be saying that. get you know, at that, it's easy to say, no, get something, you know, maybe pick two or three of them that you three work together new you three work together and you do that. And you're gonna play that three in a minute. And, and all I want you to see is, I want you to see it connect. I want you to see it to relate. I want you to see to communicate. I want you to see, you know, if things go down and they score and they do such and such, that's okay. Mm. We're not interested. To, we're not playing championship. We're not playing such and such. We're not playing that, you know, it's what I call it, adult-like professional sport. Mm. We're just playing a little, we're playing a game. Yeah. You know, so let's play let, like a game. Um, and let's get that. It's, sort of, it's a nice thing to have within groups and teams. And you sort of can look around at good teams who maybe are not successful teams, but they actually get on mm. quite well together. You always have a little bit of conflict. That's, that's all whole part with egos um, and sport. But in that sense, it's, it's nice to say, well, actually, think, no, there's, there's not a lot of, you know, there's, there's not a lot of conflict. You can come into a room here and they're, they're very friendly with each other. Yeah. There's a lot of messing, crack on. And mm. it's, it's a nice change in them to go into because um, you know, I think that, that if you come in again new, so having, you know, maybe played hockey in the UK for a long time in the Premier League, that, that I would come into a new club and, and they'd, be able, they'd look at you and say, you, know, you sort of think, right, well, I'm a stranger. I've been to training. I know a few of them, but they're not, you know, there's a bit of something going on here and the interpersonal stuff or interpersonal stuff with the coach or with themselves or whatever. And you go to another club um, and they'll say, oh, What about you? No, and they'll give you a bit of crack, and they give you a nickname. And, and you, know, you can retort back, and you have, suddenly built on relationship stuff. and It's, you know, it's nice, it's good, sort of, one of those things that teams should take a little bit more work at. Mm. Even, you know, even at the professional level, or even at the county level, if you like, they should think about you know, how, how well I want to change them. What, what is, do people start to they go quiet? Or do they still keep the same noise level, or you know, Are they? What do they do, and why do they do it? And something. So it's worth actually having psychological, having a look at why that happens, mm. and saying, well, maybe we need some change here. Yeah, that,
0: that that's, and that goes back to one of the points you made earlier. Is just the I suppose the environment that you're that you're working in, whether that whether that's your under tens or or it's your your uh, your older stuff. It it probably all still comes back to that and and the, the fun and, and all that stuff. That all comes from from the context and the environment that you're working in, I suppose.
1: Yeah, and that's great, Nala, and that, and really that's why we stay at it. that's why we go spectator. It. And it's 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 nice to see. It's nice to see them going. Yes, it's always great at a, at a, at a more elite level to see that the outcome, the winning, and such and such. But uh, even at an underage scope. I know an awful lot of parents we don't just to see the winning as opposed to uh, else or other. And sometimes their selection, which is another element that coaches probably, I think, I think our rules probably probably go a little bit too overboard in underage level, where in, for football or soccer, whatever it is, if you have 18 players, let's use them all. football, if you, I remember going down to a club with 30 kids, and I knew they had two pitches, uh, and I rang them beforehand, they were under, under eights. That. girls and boys, right to play, loads of parents coming down, no problem, grand. I said to the coach, I said, um, do we just just how do you want to do it? Do you want to pick a, a better team and or do you just want to say you we said, no, we'll have one game. I said, but you've got 30 odd kids, yeah. He said, Oh yeah, Then I said, but should we have a pitch over there? You could laugh one, I don't have another, I don't care. He said, No, no, no. And I remember going to the change room with the 30 kids, thinking, what am I going to do here? And I gave them a number. One, two, one, two, one, two. Went round. And they looked at me and I said, ones, you're playing the first half. Twos, you're playing the second half. And they went, what? I said, listen, I say, I know we should be playing two games. But listen, it's the way it happened." I remember going out and thinking, this, the ones went out. And, and I was thinking, I have no goalkeeper. But, Did really well. <laughs> but you know what it says? I they, they just said, who wants to go on goal and the twos? And they said, ah, the three or four and I said, I'll do that. I said, oh, great. No, sure, we can swap around. Don't worry about that. That's who cares? And and they were nice, but they all played and it was lovely to see the ones afterwards, you know, cheer them on. Mm. And the twos who were watching them, cheer them on You thought, hey, this is a good group. And I, I looked at the other fellas' team and I went, there's 15 lads over there, and they're just wandering off. They're not even bothered. They're not interested. Mm. You know, there's three or four who might get pulled in a night. Um, and I know I got abuse afterwards from the the guy because he said, "You're not allowed to have 15 substitutes." And I said, "Yeah, I said we're not really playing great <laughs> games. It's only it's only a bit of fun." Yeah. And uh, he, you know, it's sort of it is those sort of little sort of bits. You think, wow, you know, just. So it was, it was lovely to see, you know, I, I don't even know the score. Can I remember? Because, you know, the, the interest yeah. was I got them all out there and played. They actually got drenched. As did <laughs> everybody else today. it's, yeah. uh, it's it, was, it was much more fun. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, if you want to keep people coming back, you have to let them play. Mm. Yeah. That's when our whole think... structure needs to just change.
0: Yeah, and I think it ha- I think that has changed, especially those underages, Alan. Like that like that story like would drive you bonkers, like listening to a fella with 10 or 12 or 15 substitutes on the sideline and doesn't want to play. And and I think like especially in the GEA, and I think most of the sports now have evolved to like, you know, even playing three games and picking three teams and making sure everybody's playing and getting touches and making decisions and and have moved away from that 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 silly idea of Leaving so many people on the sideline, which is great to see. But um, I just want to I want to touch on this, Alan. I don't I'm I'm conscious now of your time, yeah. and I, and I don't want to I don't want to delay you. But I just want to touch on the performance side of things, then, or maybe that that more elite performance, and maybe your even your experience, obviously, with the Paralympics and 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 um, intercounty GA and different things. But what are some of the key What are some of the keys there, Alan? You see, in, in terms of of the environment there for for. That, that elite sport that are very important from a psychological point of view? I suppose one, is
1: it, one of the big things is the relationship between coach and athlete and how well that involves and what's in it. I suppose the other performance is that at the elite level is that your training environment is really important and it needs to simulate as much as possible your, your game or your sport environment. Um, that's where in Ireland we're a little bit lost because they're facility-wise, um, weather-wise. <laughs> mm. uh, but um, it fr- from an elite performer, there are, they have an awful lot of what we would call parts of the jigsaw puzzle that they need to, to do. So there would be the, the training element, there would be the, the coaching element, there would be the nutritional, the psychological. Um, and if it's a team sport, it, I suppose it's, one of the, it's basically trying to get them Working with each other in different areas. So, having worked with, in fact, we, we probably did it in Rugby League very early on. This is where we actually did a lot of activities that weren't rugby related, but we did an awful lot of uh, U6s. U6. we doing U6, and we're well, doing, you know, it could have been anything. It, it, no, in fact, it was it was um, down at the bowling alley sometimes, now, you know, which is a bit of crack. So, and, and it was just to get to know each other, and, and there would be people, you know, having a, a little bit of a a mess with the other team such and such an egos and people get to realize what people are like and um, so in the team environment slightly different the individual environment i'd say in terms of psychology the psychological skills end are only a small part most mas or mscs or you know degrees courses in sports psychology talk about imagery and goal setting and uh, anxiety reduction and uh, you know and motivation and and uh, sort of self-confidence building, but they really don't give an awful lot of what I would call inherent tools of what they do. So, how do you build self-confidence? And why are you building it that way? Uh, how do you, how did you treat that decision? So the referee gave you a bad decision, or you feel it was a bad decision. How did you react to that behaviorally, and then emotionally? Well, I'm quite charged now because the next tackle I'm going to. You know, and you suddenly get this uh, and you say, well, hold on, well, let, let's, let's, re, let's change this and let's use that. So it's, it's trying to, I suppose, put them into that context of saying, look, and it, it doesn't have to be, it's never a straightforward one in psychology. It's always an individual or personalised one. Um, I remember having worked with um, a, a, a Welsh, it was a Welsh international rugby player, um, but he was, was sort of a, a club thing that uh, he played in the scrum and uh, whenever they get down in the scrum they, they chat to each other, they don't ask them how they're getting on, they sort of say other things that are probably a little bit more uh, mm. sort of trash talk and whatever, and normally what happened was he would get up he would look at his fist and he would lash out and of course he got a red card yes. he'd be you know be banned then for a few weeks, he'd, he would miss international stuff and this club was saying we just need help them. So I remember looking at the videos of them and saying, right. so I said, it's interesting. I said, so what happened down there? And he would tell you all what they were saying and such, such and Don't really need to do any of that. Yeah, so yeah. But it was all trash stuff. And he said, well, how did you feel? He said, yeah, I was going to kill him. That was it. And, said, right. <laughs> uh, and, and so, so your first reaction was, yeah, I was going to last year, he was going to get it. No, no matter what. I said, right. So, I said, did you retort back to him in this trash talk sort of stuff? Yeah, of course I did. I said, so what did he think? And he said, uh, he probably thought the same. I said, All right. So, so, it's a relative balance. Yeah. He said, I oh, am. Yeah, I was in first. and you know, I was near a competitive <laughs> that I got the first punch. In. And I said, right. I said, see, my job here really is to stop you getting sent off, so that you can play for your club and play for the, you know, for for Wales. He said. Yeah, that's that's helped me back in the last year or two, he So so I said, I noticed you look at your fist before you hit something. And he said, Yeah, and I said, Well it'd be nice to, to put something down like a trigger when you looked at your fist that might prevent you from lashing out or whatever. Uh, and we talked about what we could do, and he said, Oh, it's not put a bit of tape around it, the ground that won't want to defect because you know you're in this weather, everything goes in there, it will just wash off or whatever. So so his club coach tried me the week after. And I said, uh, how'd it go? And his club coach says, well, positive and negative. And I said, oh, okay. So to give me the positive first, he said, oh, he didn't get sent off. I said, that's great. I said, he said, yeah, but he got flattened. <laughs> <laughs> so he went, he looked at, he looked at his fist and the other foot I hit him. <laughs> so he went died but he played on for the rest of the game and there, but it was nearly a, no, it was a trigger. But for him, it was like, okay, now I realise when I get to here, I need to do something. So basically it was you know, hundreds of ways, not take deep breaths, not quite one something a little bit, listen, you're angry, you need a bit of release. What you need to do is get away from him or i don't get number eight to push you away and you just take a couple of sprints or jumps and get away from moving out. And having three or four of those scenarios that somebody else could help him or he could do himself should work. So that there's lots of stuff, you know, to like, you know, it could be getting nervous before performance, you know, those anxiety sort of stuff, which, which is normally quite, we would say it's quite positive because everybody has them. And that means you, you know, you're probably going to have a good game. Um, but I suppose it depends on a number of factors and, and trying to think of that's why you, um, routines are really important in all sport. And what we do and why we do them, or what we listen to, or what we don't do, and what we talk to people, who we talk to people, what we say to people, and so forth. So, all of that's really, it's highly
0: significant
1: just before we play.
0: Uh, Alan, that's brilliant. Yeah, I, I I've just there's. Um... It came up last week actually when we were talking about uh, you know, and you mentioned it earlier about the coaching courses and different things and and how the coaching courses are so so focused still at the moment on on those kind of technical skills and and the games and the X's and O's as I was talking about them and um, like the the, the movement towards or or the need to start putting in those, those softer skills is is what Joe mentioned last week. And, and, and I don't like the the language of softer skills in in that. I just feel that it, it dissuades people from actually engaging in them because, you know, it's not masculine. It's not, you know, it's whatever it's in people's heads, but, but that need for, for, you know, those people skills, like everything you've spoken about there is, is, it's generally it's it's being, you know, having good people skills really and, and talking about the environment you're creating and and doing all those things. Like a, a lot of that is it's not stuff you're gonna get in a in a in a coaching booklet about how to organize your session.
1: No, it's not. That, that's the unfortunate side of, of where I suppose it it happens nearly when you get to that level three, four sort of level of a coach where you have different experts coming in or different you know, sort of professionals coming in to tell you that. But to me. It's the wrong it's it's a the wrong way. Mm. Yeah, you know, it, it's sort mm. of when they're eight or nine or ten or eleven, that should be being introduced. Yeah. because the high level of coach, if you are or that the coach with those types of softer skills, going in will actually make life and performance better. Um, and you know effort and you know self-image and uh, much better when they as they're going through and going through this you know everybody has rough patches in the sport so but they'll be able to cope. Um, I'm not going to use the words of resilience and because they're mm. a bit umbrella for me mental toughness, but yeah. because they cover too much. But in, in that sense, that it, it's like saying, well, you know, we've given them enough experiences here through our play that that should be able to they should be able to cope. So, if something maybe difficult happens, they should have enough strategies to say, "Well, I can I can get through this, um, or I can use my mate to get through it," which would be even better if you're in a team mm. sport, yeah, or even in an individual sport. But yeah, no, it, it coaching courses need to think about it. the technical stuff. I'm not saying it's easy; it's mm. not. Uh, and but the softer skill stuff is actually really hard to, I suppose, measure. Mm. And, and that, that's where a lot of people are, you know, don't like it. They don't say, well, I know if I run them for that much, for that amount of time, that I'm, I'm going to get a, you know, a better aerobic base and such and such, and yeah, and that's great. And, and we can see that scientifically, but it's not really saying, well, it doesn't have to be a self-report, but it needs to be, well, how does this team feed? You know, and, th- and those are the words that people say, oh, we don't need any of that. Yeah. It's, you know, because, you know like, Feelings, hey, like yeah, yeah. feelings. <laughs> yeah. So it's so they say, well, how do we react to our emotions? You know, and, and, and psychologists, if they want to sell things, they just change the different languages, you know, they, they use that appropriately. Nothing wrong with that because they're probably trying to do a good really good job. Um, but it's sort of it's been able to manage. It's interesting. You were talking to Joe last week, now I've known only Caroline from teaching her when she was up in Jordanstown. Um and she would look at the whole thing. She wouldn't just look at players. She'd be saying, Well, how does the coach going with players? How does how does the, the bank how does the you know, how does this work? And and then she would be able to say, Well, you know, there's there's, there's, a, there's no link there, or there's such and such there, or I noticed your behaviors were quite, you know, they weren't very positive tonight, or you know, such and such So all of that when you're seeing it and you're immersed in a in a, a team like that, then you know, you, you probably have enough if you have the the influence or power to work with the significant others, the coach and the managers and such and such, then you'll have an impact. Um, It's interesting to note that I think nearly every American football team has at least one plus psychologist working with them. Mm -hmm. So they they could have two or three. um, no, it's like, I have to work here, I have to work there, I have to, you know, i working on different levels with different people on different things. And So in one sense, it, it's, it's nice because a lot of people say, oh, I need some sports psychology. It's like going into a sweet shop and going, I need some sweets. Which ones? Mm. <laughs> I don't know. I'll take them all. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and you say, well, you can not take them all, but you can take them all, but, you know, it's going to take a long time. What, what do you like? What do you need? What do you want? Oh, I quite like jelly, but Okay, grand. okay, we can work on, you know, emotional control, perfect, and it's sort of a, it's, it's interesting to, to see that there's still a knowledge up there that sports ecology is still quite wide, mm. uh, as opposed to saying, you know, and that's where the, I suppose, goes back to your educational question in terms of coach education. At a higher level, you would expect coaches to say, I need to get such and such, to do such and such better or I don't think they're confident, um, maybe a psychologist could help me provide them with confidence because sports psychologists will not sit with you all day or can't be there all day, um, especially in amateur sports. So therefore, they'll need to pass the tools on to the coach, manager, players, whatever, to do that and ways of doing it. So it's still, uh, I I won't say it's in its infancy, but it, it is still quite... It's used a lot more than it was a decade ago mm-hmm. um, and used tri- triple by, you know, 20 years ago, but it's probably still undervalued. And that's mm-hmm. even by the, the amount of people accredited. Mm-hmm. Um, sort of shows that and even the work that they get. Um, so it's quite, it's a, one of those things that will get there, but yeah. it'll, it'll take a turnaround. It's a bit like strength and conditioning is the, the nice N word at the moment. And uh, I think that'll have a cycle. And uh, it'll, it'll come and roll back to a little bit of psychology. We'll have a bit of a cycle, and then it'll go back to something. so And that's that's fine. That's that's the way the life and sport works. So
0: yeah, yeah. And like you said, it's it's easy on the strength and conditioning side because you can see what guys are lifting, or you can see the times they're running. But it's that probably harder to quantify the impact of of uh, of the sports psychology side of it. Alan, before we go on, we're we're gone now. And I promise. I'm letting you out the door. Um, if there was, if there was one thing, Alan, like for, for coaches of, of any age group, no, this is this is your broad umbrella. If there was something from that kind of sports psychology field that you think it would be really important for coaches to bear in mind when they eventually get back on the field with with their players, whatever it is sport they might be playing, what, what put it in a nutshell, what would that be for us? Make sure, make sure at an under, make sure at the
1: matter level, it's fun, enjoyable, has a lot of variety into it. Um, and that get, they get can achieve something from every session that they do. So who, that's whether it's a coach or whether that's the, you know the kids or whether that's a player, make sure that something at the end of that session they they've, they've got something from it that they can be
0: good about themselves and amongst and and each other. Brilliant. Super, Alan. Uh, thanks a million for your time. I appreciate. It. I, I probably we're we gone over time, so apologies for that. But um, for for the people that are listening again, guys, and I, as I mentioned in the introduction, this this was probably a, a two pronged attack, Alan. That uh, I wanted to give something for the coaches, really, that they could you know sink their teeth into at a time where we're not on the field with our players, and then also as a as a fundraiser for Temple Street Children's Hospital. So. Um, for the people that are listening, if you have donated already, thank you very much. If not, there's a link in the in the podcast description below or on my Twitter page at my Quirk. Uh, and also thanks to the people who continue to share it around the place. Uh, it's been uh, much appreciated. And, and again, Alan, thank you a million for for your time. I, I really appreciate it. No problem. My pleasure. No.